It's time for some straight talk. School's starting, so I'm going to drop some phone knowledge on you. You're paying way too much for wireless. Switch to Straight Talk and get the same 4G LTE networks the big guys offer for up to half the cost. Get the unlimited plan, just 45 bucks a month with the first 25 gigs at high speeds, then 2G. No contract, plus $200 off the latest Samsung Galaxy S9. Knowledge dropped, class dismissed. Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. See terms at straighttalk.com. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Press. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast and you are listening. 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 Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, 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 radio. This is your pool party captain, Randy Fitzsimmons, and you're listening to the Game Changer Podcast. Pew, pew! She's back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Game Changer Podcast. It is not quite boss time because I'm not going to be ripping off Michael Cole. My God, just no thank you very much. I am indeed Nate the Effing Great. You can check me out on Twitter at Real Effing Gay. And I'm being joined here by the one, the only, everybody's favorite Canadian in wrestling as well as on the Twitter, that being at the legendary JF, Mr. Fretz. How you doing today, good sir? I am adequate, sir. How about yourself? I am doing pretty good. Honestly, we had a pretty good SummerSlam weekend. I can't really complain too much. And guys, I also have to say this. I have to make a little bit of a shout-out to one of our members of the Game Changer podcast. Uh, Mr. Nick Marvin became a father this week. He gave birth, he and his wife gave birth to a little baby boy, uh, ironically enough, named Finn. So, yeah. <laughs> he's a true wrestling fan. Shout-out majorly to Nick and honestly, guys, there's a lot of things that are com- going to be coming up in the Game Changer podcast. If you haven't already made, seen the announcement, check it out on my Facebook fan page. It's going to be absolutely an awesome next few months building up to Survivor Series. But we're not here to talk about Survivor Series. That's still a ways away here. Uh, we could be talking about All Out. Well, actually, we'll talk a little bit about that within the forthcoming weeks. But for this, of course, we have to talk about... Uh, NXT TakeOver, as well as Summer Slam, the biggest party of the summer. So we're actually going to be doing just kind of like a brief uh, overview, like our thoughts of the shows, as well as some of like the highlights throughout the entire uh, weekend. So I'm going to go through like some of these results here from uh, NXT TakeOver. 
Uh, the tag team title matchup, we had the Street Profits retaining over the Undisputed Era. Uh, Io Shirai defeated Candice LeRae by technical submission. Velveteen Dream retaining his North American Championship over Pete Dunne and Roderick Strong. Shayna Baszler defeating Mia Yim. And then Adam Cole, baby, retaining his NXT Championship 2-1 in a 2 out of 3 falls matchup, or as we like to call it, the three stages of hell, over Mr. Wrestling himself, Johnny Gargano. Overall, guys, this was a really good show. A lot of things happened, and it's just another prime example that NXT, holy cow, you guys just do an absolutely fantastic, fantastic job. I think it was a good takeover. I don't think it was as good as some of their recent outings, but I still had a great time watching this. I have to give, for once, I'm going to give Slack a shout-out. Oh, wow. He w- Hell has frozen over. <laughs> uh, yeah, because him and uh, Nikki and Danny from the Valkyrie, they were all at SummerSlam on weekend, and Slack was uh, providing our Patreon chat, or, or now it's the Kings of the Rings fans uh, chat, because our Patreon chat for WrestleMatic Radio is actually on a different um, app, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Anywho, so, yes, uh, shout out Slack, but still fuck your Slack. Um, <laughs> I have to say, my I did not like the decision to um, keep the titles on the Street Profits at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm an undisputed era, Mark. I wanted that whole draped in gold thing, but we know that didn't happen. But I want to talk about Velveteen Dream's entrance. Please, by all means. It start off with the Mounties entrance theme from 1992. Like, you know, I am the Mountie, I'm handsome, I'm brave, I'm strong. And uh, for a second I thought, there is no way in hell Jacques Rougeau is coming out right now. What is going on? So first you get some of the um, people who ended up being, I think, Toronto Raptors cheerleaders, because as soon as the Mountie theme ends, you get, like, the big Toronto Raptors, hashtag We the North big uh, thing on the Titan Tron and you get everyone decked out in their gear because you're you're in the six Toronto just won their first sports championship since the boot days in 1993 uh, you're going to take advantage of that uh, cheap pop or cheap heat if you're Elias and oh we'll get there mm-hmm. um, yeah and uh, yeah, Mo Renal was always talking about something something uh, Raptors, something, something, that, and then uh, I'm always reminded that uh, the Raptors MVP Kawhi Leonard is now an LA Clipper. I'm not bitter. We got a championship out of it, and uh, yeah, that's the three stages of hell was just nothing but chaos. I missed the last fall because work night shift, and I just had to go when I was doing my office work. I'm like, okay, I have to see what's going on. How did this match end? Oh my god, that freaking cage dive! And uh, before, uh, just before we get to SummerSlam, Nate, I want to have a, a plug here. All right, I'm wearing my um, Abigail versus Bleeding Disorders T-shirt. From the Sable Beach 8K uh, beat trace, the run that I was raising money for. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I surpassed my goal of $300. Thank you, everyone, who helped donate. I know who did. I'm not naming names. You you know who you are. You have my love. Everyone who gave me the uh, emotional support as well, because I actually ran some of it. Just I would 
walk a bit, then jaunt a bit, then jog, and go back and forth before finally finishing right at the beach and running right into the lake. <laughs> Man, wow. Honestly, that's really awesome, dude. I was going to ask about that, but thank you for bringing that up. You know, Thank you again, everybody that donates a, his cause. This was definitely something that I definitely fully support, and I definitely do fully uh, endorse Game Changer Podcast. Gosh, if we could have gotten you like a Game Changer shirt to show that we, you know, we'd be like a sponsor for you, that would have been absolutely amazing. Uh, maybe next time. Maybe next time you do a run, we'll definitely have to do something like that. It's annual. Yeah, next next August, probably. I'm guessing it's going to be SummerSlam weekend again. But unfortunately, you're taking they're taking the party to Boston. To Boston. To Boston. If you know me as a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you know how I feel about Boston. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave that one there because uh, Elias did a good enough job of getting the, the heat on the Maple Leafs and the Raptors. Talking about Kawhi Leonard leaving. Yeah, yeah, no wonder he left. You know how I'm in Toronto? Because I've seen nothing here but a Stanley Cup. Shut up, Elias! <laughs> I, know. I know we suck! It's kind of one of those things where it's like, yes, we know we suck. You don't have to keep reminding us every single time you come in here. If we wanted to be insulted, we would call The Rock. Thank you very much. Yeah, you know, The Rock did a good job of that in 2003, but that's when the Maple Leafs were good. I mean, I mean they're kind of good now, but you can't get past the first round of the play. Hockey season's not starting yet. I'm not turning this into, into Leafs land. Um, Steve Dangle does a good enough job of that up here. Shout out to the Steve Dangle podcast. Uh... What else? That submission that that submission that um, me uh, Io Shirai put in on Candice LeRae. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, boy. I just <laughs> just one of those things. Was like, um, I don't think a body's supposed to bend that way. Uh, no, thank. No, no, no. Just I. I, I actually remember like cr- cowering in a corner, just thinking to myself, "Oh, please, Io Shirai, please don't hurt me. Please don't hurt me. I'm just." No, thank you. Everybody, I know everybody's always just saying, like, oh, my God, Yoshirai, she's all hot. She's wearing nothing but leather. She looks kind of like, I, I don't know if some people have used the phrase emo-ish to really, you know, but basically they're saying heel Yoshirai is, like, best he- Yoshirai. It's one of those things for me, I'm just like, you know, she was still hot no matter what, you know. Babyface, yeah, it shows that she's definitely bright and colorful. She's really awesome. And now Heel has just shown that she can be an absolute badass and also make me want to hide under the bed and wait until she leaves. It's almost like uh, it's almost like that scene from Taken. You're just waiting for you know the foot the foot the, the uh, strangers to get out of there, and you're thinking like, okay, I'm fine. But no, instead of you know some guys finding you, it's Yoshirai who dra- drags me from under the bed and almost tries to kill me. Uh, that's starting to sound uh, like the fiend, brah. We're we're getting a little bit of oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you're right, you're right. Well, no, I know we'll get there. Um, oh, trust me, we are going to get. We're going to be talking majorly about that. Trust me, this. Oh, boy. All right, but let's get into okay. some into the main. Oh, into, I'm sorry, no, into the pre-show because well, that's when I woke up. Is halfway during the cruiserweight title match, and then I missed the rest of the pre-show except for Elias. Right. Uh, so for the pre-show, they had. Uh, Drew Gulak defeating Oni Lorcan for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, Buddy Murphy lost, uh, defeated Apollo Crews by DQ because Eric Rowan decided, no, I'm not the guy who ran over Roman Reigns and, oh, bu- 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 uh, that's my best, uh, Eric Rowan impression. Hopefully I didn't offend too much. He's, he's not British, dude. Oh, he's gone British? 
He's, he, that, 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 that sound, you, you're sounding kind of, kind of like a Brit there. I think Eric Rowan is like maybe American or, or something. I, uh, I, I blame Adam Lombier for his impressions because they're so spot on, let's be fair. <laughs> yeah, that, sounded, that sounded more like Lombier himself, but can we just talk about how stiff and wicked that Cruiserweight title match was? Just the slaps and the chops. Oh, man. Like, I, I will say this. Got, well, go ahead. Go ahead for that. You got catch point going up against whatever the tag team name is for Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan, like the Brit and connection, I guess we can call them. Mm-hmm. More, please. I mean, I know there's an Evolve, I have to say this, there's an Evolve show coming up, I think, in Chicago. And do you know that there's a Cruiserweight title match on that card? Really? Drew Gulak versus Kushida. Oh Get boy. in. <laughs> Why is that not on the network? Because reads and stupid reasons, stupid people, jerf, 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 suffering suckatash. Austin was shown in the crowd and got no response because Toronto doesn't know who Austin Theory is. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. To be that, fair. A bit, bit of a letdown. Um, we also had Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeating the Iconics to retain their women's tag team titles. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sad now. I, I understand where they're going with this with Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, but at the same time, it was one of those things where it's like, it was the Iconics. I still wanted them to hold it for a while, but then they just teased them like trash, and damn it. Mm. You know why? Uh, if it has anything to do with who I think it has to do with, I'm going to be pissed. But please, by all means, enlighten us. Why, Mr. Fritz? Well, allegedly... According to the rumor and the innuendo, uh, this is going to have a nice shout out to our good our good brother Ant. There was supposed to be a match between them and the Bella Twins, and that is basically the the quote unquote maybe reason the Iconics won the titles so soon after the Boston Hugs did. So you can have oh, we got the Iconics, the modern day Bellas versus the actual Bellas, but we both know that. That's not happening because their in-ring careers are, you know what, unfortunately over. I'm, I used to be those, some of those Bella haters that you see on the internet, much like the John Cena haters and the Roman Raider, Raider Reigns. <clears throat> Cut that, and it's in. Um, <laughs> all, all those haters, I'm not anymore, spoiler alert, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah. It's unfortunate that they're they they got. I'll, I'll say this: they got better at the like right near the end. The was it Nikki had a match with uh, excuse me Ronda. I think so. Yeah, that was lit. Yes, I definitely will agree with that. But uh, still, I I'm I'm, I'm still kind of sad because Iconic could have had a really good title run, and they could have had some great. They had a few more matches they probably could have put in there, but nope, they decide, yeah, no, we this project's not going to happen, so let's just drop it. It's like, and I the, hear the, the titles were never on TV. Uh, and I'll give this Bliss, Buzz Lightyear, awesome. Yes, yes, I will agree with that. So we get into the main card. We had uh, Becky Lynch retaining over Natalia in a submission matchup. Honestly, this was a match that was better than I thought it was going to be. I loved... The you know fact that they were doing a lot of chain wrestling, a lot of the technical style that got involved in this. There's probably some people who are just like, oh, this matchup sucks. Like it wasn't bad. I wish it would have gone maybe just a tad bit longer, but unfortunately, it felt like it kind of just suddenly ended. Like it was just going to be like, oh, she locks in the armbar, boom, it's done. It's like, 
I get that, but at the same time, I was kind of expecting more from these two, because they put on good matches. They really have. They've had a couple of pay-per-view matches in the past, but this was one where it was just kind of like, that's it? I kind of was hoping for more. I was really getting into it. I liked the fact, especially at the end, where they had, you know, chained into one move, and then to another move, and then to another, 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 another. It was awesome. And then they just kind of abruptly ended. I'm like, huh. So that happened. Uh, I mean, it gave us a really good uh, moment uh, the night after in Raw, because as we heard at the top of the show, had a dream, I had a made it. I made it. And Sasha Banks made her return to Monday Night Raw, fully going heel. And I will say this, I legit loved the fact that uh, she did a whole deal where she came out, you know, oh yeah, she's got you know the purple hair, she's got everything like that. Comes out, beats up a natty, rips off you know, her jacket, and then she removes her purple hair to reveal blue hair, to which I'm like, okay, so they're show- she's showing that she's got a different side. I kind of like this. I kind of dig this. Even though it's kind of a thing that Mia Yim made famous, but let's not just, let's not, you know, throw fingers anywhere. It's just one of those things where it's like, you know, well, Mia Yim kind of did it first. Doesn't matter. Sasha Banks is heel. I'm okay with this. So, it looks like we're going to have, you know, Sasha Banks versus Becky in the future. They've put on a great matchup, Ida Takeover, and honestly, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. This is one of the few times where I hope, where I think to myself, I want to kind of see them do hot potato with the title. I want to see them kind of exchange back and forth victories between these two, because I think they could really put on some great matches. Put them in a best of seven series for all I care, I'd be okay with that. That sounds awesome. Uh, This was when the crowd was starting to get a little bit bizarro world. You had... Becky was getting some boos. I'm like, yeah, Natty's gonna. If you come out, okay, this is this is your your prime minister talking. This is your resident Canadian talking. If you come out, regardless of who you are, if you come out to the ring with a Canadian flag, we're gonna give you a polite pop because that's our flag. That's our that's our maple leaf right mm-hmm. there. And you're one of us. You'll get the pop at first, but then. If you're, like, coming out with a Canadian flag and then you're telling us to shut up, no. Come on, Daddy. <laughs> and, and then, uh, Becky must have not been told this at the border, but you don't lock in the sharpshooter in Canada unless you're a heart or your name is Sting. Oh, boy. Even, th- even then, it's a gray area. If she, if she would have probably done, like, a modified version of it, it would have been okay. But when it's full-on sharpshooter, it's like, nope, 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 nope. But if you know, it was, like, the, edu- the educator, you know, when Edge does, like, a sharpshooter, but then the guy's, yeah. like, on his stomach? Mm-hmm, yeah. Maybe, 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 but even then, you're, you're, you're pushing it. Also, speaking of Edge, we definitely do have to hit the fact that he was on the pre-show where Elias was yeah. trying to do his nice little song and song routine, but Edge just decided... Nah, screw you. Spear. Boom. Speaking of Spear, let's talk briefly, very briefly, about Goldberg defeating Ziggler. This was a matchup that happened like a minute, 50 seconds. Based, not really too much happened here, guys. Yes, you what you expected. Although, I will say this, uh, Dolph Ziggler hitting a couple super kicks on Goldberg and almost getting a, even like a two count on him was literally one of those things where like, oh wow, they... Are they actually going to do this? Oh, okay. I'm I'm kind of interested in this. But then Goldberg, you know, spear, jackhammer, one, two, three, done. Then Dolph Ziggler just decides, you know what? I'm basically going to create an equivalent to career suicide 
I'm going to call out Goldberg that every, you know, again and again and again, he gets speared at least two more times where the third spear, oh my gosh, I literally looked at this and I thought to myself, oh my god, he invented a new way to just get killed by a spear. I love it. Night after, Dolph Ziggler lost to The Miz. He calls out The Miz, to which Miz is just like, okay. And he does the skull-crushing finale to Dolph Ziggler, while Ziggler still has the microphone in his hand, and he's still talking. One of the greatest things I've ever seen on Monday Night Raw. He's just jaw-jacking, yeah, 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 skull-crushing finale. I was thinking to myself, oh god, he's going to hit that microphone on the way down. Thankfully, he did not, but that was still one of the things where it's like, okay, that's a highlight of my year now. Just Dolph Ziggler, Jawjack, and, and Miz just hitting him with a skull-crushing finale while the mic is still in his hand. It's amazing. I hope that microphone was made of candy, because he ate that shit. <laughs> but, Dolph Ziggler's selling reminded me of uh, Shawn Michaels and Hogan from SummerSlam 05. Oh, except gosh. that it wasn't as cunty. That, <laughs> whoo, boy, I think this is the first time we've ever heard that word on this podcast, and you know what? I'm okay with making history. <laughs> Just, I'm like, Dude, I listen to like Russell Ramble and OSW, all those podcasts out in England and Ireland, they drop the C word all the time, <laughs> so somehow it seeps into that. I vehemently apologize if that is a touchy word for anyone who listened or who act who may have turned it off after the <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to be going to Principal Ricky. <laughs> Principal Ricky, Mr. White said the C word on the TV, and Ricky's just like, I'm pretty sure we've said worse. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Will has said it at least six times. Okay, you know, you know, by the point that this comes up, I'm sure that the latest podcast has had that at least three or four times. You're right. Shout out to the guys of the maybe, Kings maybe of the Rings. Pre, maybe they did it pre, um, pre, pre-Kate Murphy, but... <laughs> oh, no, you're right. You're, you're right. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, basically, you, I think the groan basically gave his thoughts on Goldberg and Ziggler, so we're going to move on from that. Uh, next up, we had AJ Styles retaining over Ricochet for the United States Championship. First of all, dear Lord Almighty, Ricochet as Nightwing, I want that now. Yes. Next Next time that they the DC Universe is deciding, you know, we're going to make a movie about Robin and stuff like that, it's like, okay, I only want Ricochet. But he's not quite the, the most, I don't care. Put, put Ricochet as Nightwing. I want that so badly right now. He came out as freaking Nightwing in this matchup, and it was awesome. You cannot tell me that he would not be a great Nightwing. Yes, he would. Match but itself, wait, absolutely awesome. Be the, this, this, if, if this was, like, another thing, it would turn into the Little Mermaid debate. <laughs> oh, God. You're right. <laughs> oh, you, you know what? There's a case in point. If the Little Mermaid can be a person of different color, why can't Nightwing be one? Because they're both fictional. There you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I'll say this right now. I I loved this matchup. And also, my God, Ricochet countering the calf killer, calf crusher, whatever you want to call it. I call it the calf killer. I'm still going to call it the calf killer until the day I die. I don't care. Um, Kim countering that into the Anaconda Vice. I made a post based literally after that where I just said, it's official. Ricochet is now the best in the world because he can do an Anaconda Vice. And... Oh my god. Yep, that, that sparked the CM Punk chance. And you know something? It was one of those things where, like, I don't care. I liked it. I, I loved the way it countered it. I loved how it just looked. Ricochet, just make that your submission finisher. 
I really just think that that's perfect for you right now. Um, but yeah, honestly, despite the the you know, interference involved in there, well, I think it was like very little interference though. So it wasn't one of those things where I was like, oh man, it's gonna be something that's like full of interference. No, that's that's like, uh, oh gosh, what was the recent thing that I just saw? It was like '96. Um, oh gosh. God, I'm, try- I'm trying to remember. I was recently watching Wrestling with Regrets' uh, review of Bash of the Beach '96. There's one matchup that was just full of like interference, like crazy. Oh yeah, Conan versus Ric Flair. That's right. Right. I I was I actually just watched that. Today too. So so it was just one of those things. Where it was like at least it wasn't that bad. It had moments where it was like, okay, maybe this is a little too much, but it wasn't to the point where it was like, oh well, they had constant interference. Like no, just like here and there, which thankfully WWE does a better job at that. Honestly, this was match of the night for me. This was awesome. Okay, so Ricochet is doing an Anaconda Vice and a variant of the Codebreaker. Best in the world, full circle, take ten shots. Yes! <laughs> oh, man. oh, and there's going to be another full circle moment, folks. Just If, if you're a long-time listener of the Game Changer podcast, you'll know about our big full circle moments. Oh, just you wait. I have a juicy one. Uh, yeah, this match was was phenomenal, uh, pun indefinitely intended. I kind of liked how uh, Ricochet, I think he like, did a backflip. He used one of the the OC, California. Like, <laughs> you're never going to look at the OC the same again. If you're as old as me and you remember that terrible show, ugh, OC, stupid name. Um, I think he used, Ricochet kind of like used the OC as a platform to do like a plancha or something. Yes, he did. He did like a head scissors or something like that. But that was that was awesome. That was one of those moments where it's like, oh, this could end badly. No, it ended wonderfully. I love this match. Just just take my mic. Give me more AJ and Ricochet, please. That, that, that counter at the end, that uh, her, was that uh, corner her Corona that led to that Styles Clash. Magnifique. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, we have the SmackDown Women's Title matchup. Bailey defeating Ember Moon. How do I put this? Uh, Ember Moon put in the work. Super Cena, Bailey, picked up the victory after a few moves, and Bailey wins. It sucked. Uh, I was so disappointed with this matchup. I was thinking, like, yeah. oh my gosh, maybe they'll give it to Ember Moon. Maybe, maybe. Nope. Super Bailey to Bailey. Fuck me. Just. <laughs> and Toronto for like. I don't know what Toronto has against Bailey, but they just shat on her hard. Uh, they did, they really, I think they really tuned out for this match. Uh, there, there's going to be some, a match later on that uh, is going to have our our favorite other Canadian Slack involved in it because of his feelings towards a certain uh, queen. <laughs> but yeah, Amber looked great. There is like another suplex into a knees wicked code breakery kind of move oh that's right oh I, I love that I, 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 remember, I remember that oh no it was like it was kind of I think she was picking up like in a Yokozuna driver and uh, when she flipped Bailey around she did that double knee that you were talking about I literally looked at like that and I'm thinking oh please let that be a finisher for somebody because that is just awesome yeah because you're not gonna you're not going to have a long career if you're doing our, tur- uh, our tornado stunner off the top rope landing on your ass every night. So you got to have a backup. Yeah, you know we didn't get a chance to even see that because you know Super Bailey. <sighs> moving on, moving on. We just yeah, please, please move on. Okay, 
Uh, we have uh, at least a favorite Canadian, other than Mr. Fretz himself, uh, Kevin Owens defeating Shane McMahon to keep the his job. Best in the world. <laughs> I'll stop. Kill me, please. Um, <laughs> Elias was apparently the special guest enforcer. Kevin Owens would go on to actually assault Elias because he was being a dick. Fight me. Um, Shane McMahon, oh my gosh, th- this was another highlight of the night for me, it was just, uh, Kevin Owens looked like he was going to use the chair that Elias introduced into the matchup, and Kevin Owens like, you know what, you're right, you're right, it's fine, it's fine, here you go, he gives the referee the chair, referee's distracted, low blow by Kevin Owens on Shane McMahon, I will say this, that ever since the whole best in the world thing came around, this was probably my favorite Shane McMahon moment by far, is just... Him getting kicked in the balls, gets a stunner, and gets pinned by Kevin Owens. I absolutely loved this. And what came out of this? Well, because because he had Kevin Owens attack Elias. He was an official. Therefore, Kevin Owens has to pay a $100,000 fine for this. Oh, my gosh. Just, I, f- I, feel, I feel like there's, like, so many GoFundMe accounts right now that are just probably having people say, oh, Kevin Owens, we're going to give you our money, which I would donate to that too, but still one of those things where it's like, people love Kevin Owens. They really do. He's really good at being a dick, and he also is really good at being a very passionate babyface. So right now, I think that Kevin Owens is at a really good spot right now, and I will say this, there's going to be another thing we're going to be talking about later on, which we've talked about in the past. I think we'll save this for, like, after we get done with our commercial break after we finish SummerSlam. Um... Yeah, match itself, nothing too spectacular. It was just one of those things where it's like, well, hopefully Kevin Owens does not lose. And he didn't. Thank God. There, There is a just God in WWE, and his name is not Vince McMahon. I think his name is Hunter Hearst Helmsley. Uh, once I saw the stipulation, we were predicting last week, once I saw the stipulation that Shane wasn't putting his career on the line, I started having, like, really bad feelings that we're going to see some Shane nanigans, but instead we got, you know, Hansmole Man Productions presents Man Getting Hit by Football. <laughs> you know, beer, it's like, football in the groin, give that man the $10,000. <laughs> Simpsons references, folks. My, I, I'm, I'm full of them. I was so expecting all of, like, the Simpsons memes pages to just to have the beer when Owen's, uh, kicked him in the nuts, but so far, I haven't seen any, but yeah, this match was fun for what it was. Owens was a superstar and maybe got the second biggest pop of the night. Third? Maybe. He's he's a, in, up here, he's a superstar. I mean, yeah, may, yeah, he's from Quebec and some people in not Quebec don't like Quebec that much because... You know, in the 90s, there was, like, a threat of separatism from them being their own little place. But this isn't this isn't politics, but, yeah, KO's a superstar. Unfortunately, I think this feud's going to go to another Hell in the Cell match. Because, you know, the, the first, well, I mean, the first, I, uh, here's the thing about this. The first one I thought was still really good. The only issue was that the undercard pissed me off so damn much that by the time we reached the point, I was just like, click off. I don't even remember the undercard of that. Uh, all I need to say is Jinder was WWE champion, and you'll understand. <laughs> all right, another Canadian. Woo! <laughs> um, 
Well, speaking of another Canadian, we had Charlotte defeating Trish Stratus by submission. Uh, what I could really say about this matchup is that, you know, I think we had expectations going into this. The thing about it was that um, I felt like they slowed the pace down just a bit in the medium. It felt like, you know, it started off very interestingly. We were watching Trish Stratus pulling off moves that I don't think I remember her doing when she was an active member of the roster. Uh, I think she did like this uh, head scissors deal, which I looked at and I thought, okay, this is this is new. I'm, I'm totally down for this. Uh, but... You know, match itself. I would say it, it, it was pa- it was passable. It's not one of those things where I'll be like, "Oh, it's an instant classic. It's really great." It's like mm, I think they could have trimmed like a couple minutes off this matchup. Uh, I think the right person won definitely. If they would have had Trish Stratus go over, I think people would have been kind of scratching their heads like, "Huh, what?" <laughs> but um, no, like I said, you know, I still give props for you know credit where credit is due. They put on a good matchup. It was just one of those matches where I thought maybe there's more that they could have done with this, or they could have just trimmed a couple spots here and there. Uh, but I think that this is if this is Trisha's, you know, final matchup, I think it's still really damn good. Just not, you know, like the greatest, but it's still damn good. Yeah, this, this was a fine match, I thought. This is when, uh, throughout the entire build-up to this, uh, Slack was, uh, he was just giving out. He hates Charlotte Flair with a burning hot passion, and it's like, He's like, if Charlotte Flair beats Trish in Toronto, I'm lighting the city on fire. And then afterwards, <laughs> I'm, just, I, I'm just like, got your blowtorch, bud? So it's like, his whole section is just like, he's taping his whole section. And it's like, I don't get it. Why did Charlotte win? So this was when he started to instigate Facepalm Club. Uh, uh, hashtag Facepalm Club. Shout out to Kayla and Rachel. Fantastic. Um, working on the shirts, by the way. I'm just, I'm working on the shirts. Hopefully, by the end of the year, we'll have hashtag facepalm club shirts ready to go. Please tell me it's bullet it's bullet club doing the facepalm. Oh That's, my god! That <laughs> uh, do the good oh, We're gonna get flagged. Oh Shit. damn it! Uh, Co- Cody's gonna flag us full circle because I'm talking about Cody in a little while. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'd say the right person won. Trish locking in the figure eight was surprising. Yeah. And that head scissors spot, I think she used to do that called the May Trish. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Trish, sweetie, but that is, no, that's a bad name. <laughs> Just no, no. <laughs> well, it was 2002. Matrix was like the hot shit, despite the fact that friggin' sucks. <laughs> had great graphics, but the acting was horrible. <laughs> but, um, alright, so we move on from that one to the WWE title matchup. Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton fought to a double countout. Match itself was really good. I really loved the match itself. I hated the finish. I understand that, um, pe- that, you know, people are saying, but they're trying to progress the storyline. If this would have them, blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing about this. We literally got a conclusion like this last year with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe. So that's one of the reasons why I hate this fish. I get it. If, if Hell, if we would have had this, you know, if, if things happened last year differently, I wouldn't have an issue with this. But since we kind of got like a back-to-back deal, and it's the same championship too, it, it really pisses me off. It's one of those things where it's like you couldn't have just had like, you know, Kofi Kingston maybe get the victory here. I mean, I think that would have been dumb to have Randy Orton pick up the victory, especially when they had, you know, 24 Kofi 
on the WWE Network afterwards. Also, baby Kofi is the most adorable thing I've ever seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the It's just one of those things where it's like, I get it. They're trying to make this more personal. They're trying to make a deal. I legit thought that Randy Orton was going to just grab one of Kofi's kids and almost start to do the drape DDT. Trust me, guys. If you've known what Randy Orton has done in the past, you would not put it against him to do that. It's just one of those moments where he looks over at the kids, and I'm just like, oh, Randy, no, 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 no. Kofi goes crazy. It's like, okay, okay, thank you, thank you. Ding, 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 what? Double count out, really? Just, ugh. But I understand. It's to serve the storyline. They're going to do it for, like, Clash of Champions or whatever the frick it's called, whatever. Um... But yeah, I mean, the match itself, like I said, part, parts were really good. Really enjoyed it. Just the finish was really thing that just pissed me off. Stupid. Stupid. Yeah, I couldn't put it, it better. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'll say the only, literally the only thing I liked in this match is uh, Kofi. Uh, Orton was down, Kofi was kind of stomping at him, doing the boom drop. Who's stupid now? <laughs> That's literally the only thing I liked from this match. I was bored, and I'm looking at my watch because this was around the time I was getting ready for work, and I missed the next part. But I got to watch on Twitter because, <coughs> excuse me, when I got to work on Sunday night, I found out that our uh, delivery. I'm, I work. I'm a grocery stalker. Uh, our delivery never came, so I worked half a night came back at 3 in the morning and watched The Fiend's entrance about uh, 12 times. Yep, because we're going to be talking about that next, ladies and gentlemen. Probably one of the greatest things we've seen in a long freaking time. The final, the build-up has finally culminated. We get to see The Fiend take on Finn Balor, one-on-one. So Finn came out, he was wearing all whites, which I looked at this and I was kind of like, huh, this is kind of new, this is kind of interesting. I guess he kind of represents the light. And... You know, we get the classic uh, deal with, you know, the Firefly Funhouse where they're like, we still have your friends. And this is the friendship that will never, ever end. <laughs> and trust me, folks, we're going to talk about, we're going we're gonna, to, you're going you're gonna to listen to the theme song. We're not even going to spoil oh, that God, part. Yes. But, entrance-wise, oh my God. So, it is kind of the same thing that Bray Wyatt does when he normally came out, but I will say this, he ramped it up 120% because the lantern is covered by the head of Bray Wyatt. You did not mishear me. It's the head of Bray freaking Wyatt, and it's opened up, the mouth is opened up for the lanthorn to come out. Here comes the fiend. Oh my god, was that some like Texas Chainsaw Massacre shit that I absolutely loved. I was like, yes, my god, they did this. This this is so creepy, this is so freaky. Then we had Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, I should say. He attacks, he attacks Finn Balor. My god, did, he, did Finn Balor not even get that much moves in this first part? And one of the biggest things that came out of this whole deal, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, grabs Finn's head. He does almost like a neck snap deal. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, I thought to myself, Finn is dead. Finn is literally dead. There's there's no way. There is no way that they're just going to say, say like, oh, he's going to recover from that. No, 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 no. I, I don't care. That's like Lucha Underground-esque right there. 
So, so Finn gets like a couple deals, and he gets like the shotgun drop kick stuff like that. Uh, he goes to the coup de gras. The fiend catches him with the mandible claw, to which Mick Foley has said that the mandible claw is now Bray Wyatt's. Let me point this out here. He gave the double arm DDT to Dean Ambrose, John Moxley. He gives the mandible claw to Bray Wyatt. Mick Foley is now officially the most generous wrestler that I have ever known, and I dare you to fight me on that. Uh, yeah, he locks in the mandible claw to Finn. Finn is down. He's just losing breath, losing breath. Finally, his arms just flail down. One, two, three. The Fiend picks up the victory. And some people might say, like, oh, but it wasn't submission victory. Not the same. It, you're right. And I don't care. I will take a submission victory with that. I will take a pinfall victory with that. They handled The Fiend perfectly. There is no way that they could have messed it up. And this was one of those things that we expected. We were hoping was going to happen. And it happened. And everybody's happy. So many people are thinking, Yes! Yes! Fiend going to kill! Fiend going to kill! Wait, what's that on his chest? Oh, he's got like the religious hand hands folded deal. Oh my god. Just... I, I, I love this. I, I love this. And it ends very Undertaker-esque, where lights go out. Then we just see the Fiend on the ramp. He looks back, and we just see the lights kind of flickering. Sorry for those that are have... Uh, uh, oh gosh, what what's the um epilepsy? Epilepsy. Thank you. For those that have you know ep- epilepsy, apologize for that. That just was one of those moments where it's like, oh my gosh, they're doing like an Undertaker deal. This is awesome. This is this is amazing. Oh, I just oh, I'm I'm still getting goosebumps from it. It's just so good. I mean, Fred's mentioned that the fact that he watched that entrance like twelve times. I've not stopped listening to that theme music. I've not stopped watching that matchup. It's so good. It's one of those things where it's like, why didn't we get this Bray Wyatt sooner? This was awesome. This was the repackaging he needed. This is the repackaging that he was deemed for. And I'll tell you guys this, that one thing that we've been shown on, uh, I think I think it was like on a Reddit or on YouTube or something like that, where they had Bray Wyatt back when he was doing the whole, you know, Louisiana deal. Uh, he talked about how, he talked about basically like what this Fiend character was just all about and how basically Sister Abigail was almost like having him embrace that. It's such a good backstory. It's one of those things where it's like three years ago. They literally predicted this. This is awesome. Excuse me a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And we're back. (laughs) I just screamed into a pillow, folks. The Fiend was the most terrifying fucking thing I have seen in my entire life, and I loved it. <laughs> it was just, oh, yowie wowie is right. <laughs> I've been, I, I'm trying, like, okay, I've been saying that. That's all I said to my, my nephew was over last night. He's four years old. He saw a picture of The Fiend on my phone, and he said, that's scary, that's going to give me nightmares. Okay, I'll change my background quickly just for you, because he was playing... Pokemon Go, but oh. any, yeah, uh, so I just, that's all I was saying yeah, we, well, I mean, uh, to him and uh, his, his his sister, my niece uh, just, okay, everything about this was perfection you had the entrance you had the, the, the severed head and so incredibly symbolic this was, because you have like 
you, you know, you know when the, when a Christian says that they're born again. Yes. This was Bray Wyatt being born again, but the opposite. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I see what you mean. The fact he had pray hands. Uh, shout out, uh, shout out to uh, Dusty Dave. Um, he had the pray hands like on his shirt. He, he had all the flickering lights, code orange, nailing the dark sided theme, like dark sided version of Live in Fear. That I think it was like Dave Crozer. Or CFO dollar sign that did that did the original. I think I think uh, Bray Wyatt had like a had uh, somebody do that theme live at like WrestleMania one year, and the lead mm-hmm. singer looked like he was wearing a Marty Skrull mask. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, uh, just it, it's a dark sided version, and just you saw as he was approaching the ring, he le- he looked at his hands, you know, hurt. Uh, struggling with his inner self, you know, kind of this dual personality, Jekyll and Hyde shit. Uh, that's when Finn Balor started to get a bit of uh, offense in because, you know, Fiend, Fit Bray, is like he's trapped in, like, his own prison in his own mind. Like, that's where I think the Firefly Funhouse kind of is. It's, it's all in here. And when the demon, because the demon is going to beat him, this and I'm think I'm saying this is WrestleMania. This might even be late next year. Who knows how long Finn's going to be gone? Uh, you had you had the theme, but there, as soon as the the lights hit, you know the crowd is instantly popping, chanting "Holy shit!" and his mannerisms. Like this is this is Bray is taking complete control of this character that severed head is just it's going to haunt me for the rest of my life uh the mask is i want that mask i want a yaoi wowie t-shirt but wwe shop for shipping to canada sucks balls because my elias shirt cost me almost 70 dollars wow because it's well it was 30 something and then it's another bit of shipping, and then I got them to ship it to, ship it to my work, to my storage, just down the street. And they were like, there was another duty, I forget what company it was, it was like some duty-free bullshit company. It was like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta give me 20 bucks or else you're not getting this. So the cashier who was there had to pay for it, and then I had to pay her back. But yeah, I'm not doing WWEshop.com. So if anyone wants to send me a Yowie Wowie T-shirt, I'm an XL. Hint, hint. <laughs> um, or or one of those Firefly Funhouse uh, loot boxes that I didn't realize only had 500 of, and they sold out within minutes. And eBay, of course, you get dick holes on eBay jacking up the price by 300 percent. But the fiend, this is the greatest thing I've seen in wrestling. All year, maybe all decade. Uh, I went on and on about it in uh, my uh, Frontalmania podcast. Uh, I uploaded, I think, last night or this morning. Cheap plug. Uh, <laughs> yeah, cheap, cheap plug for the Frontalmania podcast. I'm getting to do a little bit more of it, but that might go back under the rug once I get uh, my Patreon show started. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you had everything. This And this was just... Long-term booking at its best. I mean, if you want to talk long-term booking, Orton and Kofi literally was 10 years in the making. That's good long-term booking. But 
this has been building since WrestleMania, since you saw that rocking chair with with uh, the Abby doll with this weird puppet coming out, and we're like, what the shit? And then the first Firefly Funhouse, no one knew how to react. It's like, so Bray Wyatt is Mr. Rogers, and I don't think I clued in to the whole mind prison thing until, well, like, after the second episode or somehow after the first that someone in our page in the Kings of the Rings chat was just saying, no, this is going to be like twisted Bray. Oh man, it is. And I'm okay. Everyone was complaining about, Oh no, he wasn't on Raw and SmackDown. He wasn't mentioned. That's the point. I love that this whole thing is shrouded in mystery and we don't know when the fiend is going to strike next. That. It's just the awesome part of it. Exactly. And I was saying to you, this to you, uh, I think it was a couple days ago, I said that he's at the point right now where he could feud with anybody, and it would make sense, because the Fiend basically is just one of those characters that could just attack anyone. It makes sense. He could get in a feud with his brother, Bo Dallas, for all we care. And honestly, it could be one of those things, I know, fantasy booking, duh. But at the same time, honestly, I kind of would like to see that now. The Fiend basically just destroying just destroying Bo Dallas, and it's just one of those things where it's like a representation, like, you know, this was my family, I discard it. Just one of those things where he's getting rid of his past, basically, just saying, oh God, even him just doing that thing with, like, you know, Eric Rowan or Luke Harper, which I do want to mention this. So, uh, Bully Ray actually tweeted to Bray Wyatt about about the uh, Fiend deal, and he was actually talking about how how Bray Wyatt eliminated him at the Royal Rumble, and he hasn't gotten an apology for, you know, eliminating him so vastly. And so funny, because Bray Wyatt basically replies that, uh, you know, he said, like, oh, I apologize. You know, Brother Devon said that we were, like, best friends and stuff like that. And he calls, he even mentions Tommy Dreamer, he calls him a polka dot mastodon. It's <laughs> just so fucking hilarious. Oh if you guys haven't gotten a chance, check, check it out. It is one of the funniest things you'll see. Just this interaction between Bully Ray and Bray Wyatt. It's so funny. It just starts off kind of one of these things where it's like, like, oh, I'm sorry, buddy. I, th- I mean, according to Devon, I thought we were friends. And just imagining this being like a Firefly Funhouse episode where he just says that. And he says that phrase, Polka Dot Mastodon. And, you know, literally it's one of those things where it's like, we'll know who he's talking about. I'm sorry, but, I mean, Tommy Dreamer, my God. You just... <laughs> anyway, but, uh, oh, gosh. Like I said, right now we're at the point where, yes, they want to keep that, you know, fiend there character special. They want to make it like an attraction just like with uh, with Finn Balor's you know, demon gimmick. And that's fine. That is totally fine. In, in all honesty, if they were to finally have, you know, like the Fiend uh, win a championship down the line, that'll still be great. And it'll be a situation to where it's like, you know, well, we don't know when he's going to defend it. We don't know when it's going to happen. We shroud that mystery. Keep it mysterious. Keep up the amazing work with that. So, oh gosh, we've talked so much about The Fiend, but you know something, like we said, it's one of the greatest things we've seen in a long-ass time. Oh, I got, I, got a, I got something cooking up here. So, okay, let's just say, hypothetically, The Fiend wins the title, like, soon. Uh, number 30, Royal Rumble, you know, you know, Oh, I see where this is going. I see where this is going, but please. No, not the demon, not the demon. 
WrestleMania, Demon Fiend, let's just say there's build-up to it, and uh, Bray Wyatt comes out to a Demon Headlamp. Oh. Let me in. Oh, man, I, I can fantasy book the shit out of this, but I'm just... Well, this would be like a seven-hour podcast, and I kind of want to, you know, uh, go out to my coffee shop here, get a coffee, have a bite to eat, and have a nap for night shift work. Woo! Right. <laughs> uh, all right, so now so now we have to talk about the main event, the matchup for the Universal Championship. Uh, Seth Rollins dethroning Brock Lesnar in clean fashion, mind you. This was one of the few times where I was legit in shock at how this matchup just went down. I mean, we expected Brock Lesnar to, you know, do his little suplex, suplex, F5, deal, stuff like that. But as soon as he hit his first F5 and Rollins rolled out, I was like, oh, well, okay, that's that's different. Uh, Seth Rollins hit his first curb stomp. No, Brock kicked out with ease. Second one kicked out with ease. And all I was thinking to myself is, you know how to beat him, Seth. You have to hit him with three. You, have to, you did it at WrestleMania. You hit him three times. That's what did him down. So you have to do that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, sure sure enough, Seth Rollins goes for the third one, Brock Lesnar gets him up, uh, Seth counters into a super kick, third curb stomp, one, two, three, Seth Rollins picks up the victory, my god, I, uh, this was like a legit shock for me, probably a shock of the night was Seth Rollins defeating him clean, and honestly, you know, Seth Rollins is back as Universal Champion, they addressed the whole situation of Brock Lesnar not getting a rematch versus Seth Rollins, I thought to myself, oh boy, so we're probably going to get Brock Lesnar and Kofi, huh? Oh, Kofi, son. Oh, stupid! <laughs> no, we got... Okay, well, let me put it to you like this. Would you prefer Brock and Kofi or Brock and Randy? Neither. Brock, <laughs> Brock can just fuck off to his farm in Winnipeg, you idiot. Because <laughs> I think that's where he lives. Somewhere in Manitoba. So, so, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, but... um. Yeah, honestly, like I said, great matchup between the two of them. I think that this was probably the best one. And like I said, Brock lost clean, which has rarely happened, honestly. Because there's been a lot of situations where he lost because of a low blow, or he lost because of shenanigans or stuff like that. But no, this was one of the few times I thought, he lost clean. My God. that's No nut shots. Right. <laughs> no nut shot was ever put into this matchup. I just, wow. I'm impressed by this. So overall... Guys, I gave this uh, event a B minus. It's not one of the better rest, uh, Summer Slams, I should say. My God, I just almost say WrestleMania. Um, there are some matches that just dragged too long, or they were just pointless or stuff like that. Some results I just hated. The saving graces of these entire this entire event was probably the main event, as well as the Fiend deal. Because my God, was that awesome! Oh boy, howdy! I mm. more Come please. On, uh, m- yes. More, please. Just more, please. But what were your overall thoughts on uh, SummerSlam? It was an okay show. I mean, I I was really pissed off at the Orton-Kofi um, finish. It soured. It kind of soured the show a, a little bit for me, but the theme, like, it picked it right up. Uh, it, most of the matches were, like, were... Half decent, maybe except for uh, Bailey and Amber Moon. I didn't watch the women's tag team title match because I was like showering and making food, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's like, oh Alexa and Nikki are gonna win. I don't need to see this. And I 
was also having trouble finding some streams as well because you know, the network was also glitching out for people as well. So people streaming the network, yeah, two and two, it, it wasn't working out so well. But that was, yeah, I'd say it was an enjoyable SummerSlam. Maybe not as good as last year. What was last year? Last year opened with, uh, was it Ziggler and Rollins for the IC title? And that had... Oh, yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Well, that had Roman winning Roman winning the title and then uh, <laughs> and having the best uh, Twitter reaction of all time afterwards. People oh drinking smart tears. Right. I, I, will, I will say this. I do want to do one quick shout-out before, um, before, before we go into a commercial break. Uh, shout-out majorly to... Uh, uh, Issa, Demon Diva, definitely check her out at WWE Demon Diva uh, for two, two reasons. One, because I want you guys to look at her videos and look at her reaction from the main event of last year's SummerSlam to the main event of SummerSlam uh, this year. Definitely very different. The last year's one, she was just completely distraught. She had to drink to just get through that. This year... She took it. She took it better. She took it better. Uh, also, the other thing that's kind of funny. I think she was mentioning this on her Twitter. Uh, things that were going on in her workplace, where a lot of coworkers were just doing like an uh, an air an air share deal. That's like something that's on the uh, iPhone. To where they're showing pictures of the fiend, where it's like Yowie Wowie would like to share this photo with you, and it's just a picture of the fiend. Or another one's just like Let me in. Would like to share this photo with you. And like I said, it's these pictures of the fiend. And she was saying, "What have I started?" And literally, it's one of those things where it's like, "You started the greatest thing that you could have possibly happened at work." That is amazing. Just having these moments where, like, you could be working on a computer or something like that. Notification on. Let me in. Sharing a photo. <laughs> Just awesome. yeah, her reaction to the to the uh, Bray Wyatt was also really good. Oh my gosh! Yes. So we definitely show show love. We show support. Definitely really awesome. You know, Demon Diva, Issa, you're amazing. And, you know, shout out to also Rant and Phil and MJ. You guys are the reasons why we are here. Thank you guys so much. And hopefully everything is going just fantastically, swimmingly well with your everything that you got going on right now. So with that being said, guys, we're going to take a little commercial break. We come back. Uh, probably some more fantasy booking as well as some game-changing moments. That could have been great. But you know something? WWE just has a habit of just screwing it up because yeah uh stay tuned you guys we will be right back what up ooses this is dfdc jeff pomantrio of not your mama soap opera and you're listening to wrestle addict radio hey guys this is nate the and great hey have you ever wanted to be a champion but can't seem to really find the money and the time to get a championship belt, well, you know who's a really good friend of mine? AJ from AJsBelts.com. These guys have a large assortment of championship belts, from classic belts to modern day belts to championship belts you would not even believe. And guys, like I said, they work with you very well. With an awesome layaway program, there is no way that you can beat these guys' prices as well that these guys' deals, especially when you can give them a little bit of money every now and then until you can get that championship gold. Coming from a guy who's a champion and a game changer, I'm Dean Nate the and Great. I'm representing AJsBelts.com, proud friends of the Game Changer Podcast. Hey everyone, it's the Princess of Pro Wrestling, SoCalMal. You are listening to the Game 
Game Changer podcast. Sending lots of love from California. Yeah, I'm proud of that, ladies and gentlemen. The fact that a good friend of ours, SoCal Val, check her out on her Twitter page at SoCal Valerie, as well as check her out on her Patreon page because it's absolutely awesome. Check out all the great stuff that she's got going on over the next few while. I know I'm doing a little plug for SoCal Val, but she's my friend and she is awesome. Let's face it. Screen Stalkers. Yeah, and Screen Stalkers. We've got to plug Screen Stalkers too. Definitely check them out, as well as their sister company, Support Wrestle Talk. Give them a subscribe, give them a like. Just show the love to the people over there. They are absolutely amazing. And, of course, since we're doing the cheap plug deal, might as well do the cheap plug for, you know, so many great people that we have here at the Wrestle Attic Radio Network. Of course, check them out at Attic underscore Wrestle. You guys, check out our boys over at the Kings of the Rings podcast, the Nacho Mama Soap Opera Podcast, which I am a big fan of, and definitely you guys want to check it out because it's absolutely amazing. Also check out the Gifted Podcast as well as the Fourth Wall WrestleCast, and also us here at the Game Changer Podcast, not the Game Changer Wrestling Podcast, King Ricky, you naughty, naughty boy, you. It's just the Game Changer Podcast. So, with that being said, let's discuss some really fun magic, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, I'm talking about some fantasy booking as well as some things that we kind of been talking throughout the month about certain things that have been just happening uh, that either were really good when it started off, but then there were other points where it's like, hmm, interesting, that just, uh, that just happened. Uh, so let's discuss, so for me, I actually picked out the one and only Rusev Udria. Rusev Magica. Yes. So for Rusev, I will say, say this about him. He started off really strong. And it's, it even goes back to NXT. This is a guy who literally was undefeated in NXT, and he lost to, uh, of all people, Dolph Ziggler. Oh, trust me, we're going to talk about that in just a bit. So he debuts after WrestleMania 30. And he comes out, instead of being Alexander Rusev, he just becomes regular Rusev has a Russian interpreter, Lana, who turns out to be his future Mrs. Rusev, because, oh my god, Rusev, you sly dog, you. Uh, he had some pretty good matches. He basically took on people like, you know, Xavier Woods, R-Truth, Jack Swagger, Mark Henry, The Big Show, and it was all about America, because that just needed to happen, apparently. America, huh. fuck yeah! <laughs> so, basically what ended up happening is that, you know, Rusev would defeat Sheamus on a dark matchup, the dark main event, actually, for a mon- an episode of Raw to become the United States Champion. He continued his dominance all the way till about WrestleMania, where he runs into, woo-woo-woo, do-do-do-do, John Cena, who squashes him at WrestleMania, because apparently John Cena can't be shown up by somebody who comes in on a freaking tank. And he <laughs> beats Rusev in a Russian chain matchup, because why the hell not, I guess. Then he defeats Rusev in an I quit match. Wow. Just wow. Then we have the whole deal where Rusev gets injured. That's unfortunate. Rusev then would go on to have a feud with Dolph Ziggler, which would eventually get squashed because of the fact that he decided that he was going to basically get engaged to Lana, even though that was eventually supposed to be like the final payoff to the whole story deal. But unfortunately, uh, yeah, that just, mm, 
that hurt Rusev quite a bit. He got kept getting squashed. I mean, he got married to one of the hottest women around, that being Lana. Unfortunately, though, it still kind of cost him, which is really stupid, to say the least. Uh, he would go on to be, you know, do like the League of Nations deal, and then after a while he would do Rusev Day, which would get him over majorly. Uh, but, yeah, geez, just, oh, Rusev just absolutely getting, just got crushed there. So, yeah, Rusev was one of those guys that definitely got shafted probably from the beginning, in all honesty, because they made him out to be like this, you know, Russian sympathizer, even though he's, you know, Bulgarian. And it's kind of one of those situations like, well, how do you kind of rebook this? Well, I would still keep things the same way as they would be. And also, I will say this, I could do it better than because I'm an effing genius, no ding required. Um, ding! <laughs> apparently, in this case, I get the ding. So, for this, basically, yeah, I would still have him do what he was normally doing, just defeating everybody that gets in his way, everybody that just tries to, you know, stop him. He crushes them, he beats them. Uh, I would not really do that whole deal where it's like, oh, he's representing America. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, they've done this so many times, they beat this to death, unless they had, like, an issue with Russia during that time, which I don't believe they did. There was no point Wait, really... They? At this point, I don't know. But at this point, it was just like, just don't do that. No, just no. Um, we take that out. I would still keep the way he won the U.S. title the same. I would have him, you know, just beating people left and right and center for that deal. And honestly, guys, here's the thing about this. I would actually have... Uh, Rusev at Fastlane not challenge be challenged by Cena no 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 save that for Wrestlemania you idiots I would actually have him face Ryback because if you guys remember when Ryback came back after getting quote unquote fired he basically cut this really passionate promo about how you know it's coming up you know overcoming adversity overcoming odds he talks about his injury that he had when he was doing the whole Nexus deal and it's one of those very good promos that I look back and I think to myself, wow, this is just really good. I'm surprised that they didn't do anything more with this when he was doing this because he definitely got the people behind him. It was one of those things where it's like, wow, they're bringing reality into this. This is really kind of cool. Um, so after that would happen, we would have you know Ryback and Rusev at, at uh, Fastlane and we see Rusev picking up the victory by shenanigans because he's starting to realize, oh no, these guys are getting tougher. I need to make sure that I hold this title belt on for as long as possible. Uh, the night after, after, we can have you know the Cena deal where he's like, I should challenge you at WrestleMania. Ryback comes out and says, no, I want to challenge this guy because feed me more, feed me more, feed me Rusev. Okay, maybe that just sounded weird. But they would have a number one contenders match between Cena and Ryback, in which Cena would come out victorious and would face Rusev at WrestleMania. But in this case, ladies and gentlemen, I would have Rusev go over. He has a freaking tank. Let him have the victory at WrestleMania. And it would be a legit shock of WrestleMania. You look at some of those moments during there. The major shock there was uh, the RKO that Seth Rollins got from Randy Orton, the whole deal with Ronda Rousey, the cash-in at the end. Why not just have another one where... Rusev, you know, beats the guy to where people are be like, oh wow, this is probably like one of the most dramatic and shocking WrestleManias of all time. So we have that. We have uh, Cena saying, you know, I could beat you. You had to, you know, do underhanded tactics to beat me. Blah blah blah. That deal. Uh, so Rusev's like, okay, I'll be take you on in your Russian chain match. In this matchup, though, the final moments, I would actually have Rusev 
choke out Cena with the chain to a point where Cena hat passes out. Rusev touches the first corner, second corner, third corner. Cena is just waking up at the fourth corner. He thinks that he's just about to catch Rusev, but boom, Rusev gets it. A complete shutout. Not one of those things where it's like, you know, oh, they got this person hit this. Oh, I'm going to hit this. This person hits this score. This is going to be it. No, it's just one of those things where, again, Rusev looks dominant again. He basically takes down Cena a peg. Just have that happen. And then I would have them have one more match against each other at Payback, and this time Rusev says, well, I'm putting the U.S. title on the line. What are you putting on the line? And this could be a moment where, you know, Cena could say, you know, I'll put my career on the line. And some people would be like, oh, but that's predictable. Yeah, but at the same time, you make the matchup really good, you won't know. And you thought that he was going to lose at, you thought that he was going to win at Mania. Wrong. You thought he was going to win at Extreme Rules. Wrong. You have these two back-to-back victories for Rusev. He looks dominant, so there's kind of that moment of like, wow, Cena might lose this. He might be done with WWE after this. Uh, but of course Cena actually does pick up the victory. Uh, Rusev does, you know, say, you know, I quit in Bulgarian or in Russian, something like that. And have it just be a situation where uh, you know, Cena is trying his hardest. He knows that he has to go to like this deep, dark place to where he has to beat, you know, Rusev and just have him, you know, even like wrecks Rusev's leg so, so then it's one of those situations where it's like, okay, well, Rusev has this injury, have him take time off now. It's because of Cena that it happened, where Cena, you know, could just bash his leg with a chair, with the steel steps, just literally destroying Rusev, to where he basically does that whole deal where, you know, he chokes out Rusev, then splashes him with water, locks him in again. Uh, I would not do the whole deal that he did with Umaga, where he had that, you know, ring rope wrapped around, because that was just... I think that was a little too graphic, especially for wrestling fans. Uh, but I would have him, you know, do something where he does make the STF that much more brutal, and just again, you know, he wins the title. He promises to make it, you know, prestigious. He does the open challenge deal. We still get the deal where he gets the feud with Kevin Owens. Uh, I would still kind of have him do this feud with Dolph Ziggler because honestly, I think it makes sense because of how Rusev just basically said says, you know, oh, I had the match won, but you cost me it. You made me say I quit. I didn't say I quit, and blah, blah, you know, that deal. And in the end, you know, just ha- just go through with it. Have, for Rusev and Lana, just have their engagement be a secret. Maybe even just postpone it till when they're, you know, kind of like happy together. They reach the pace of just happiness and fulfillment. And they can just, you know, have that marriage proposal on Raw. I think that would actually make for a really great moment. Don't do the stupid... You know, oh, Rusev and Lana got to get married on Raw. No, 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 no. That's, that's private matters. Let them have their moment. Let them have that. And, yeah, honestly, I would have Rusev have a dominant victory over uh, Dolph Ziggler. There may be a couple points where Dolph Ziggler picks up the victory, but that's by shenanigans. But, yeah, have Rusev turn babyface, have him maybe go after the U.S. title again, because at that point... It would be on Del Rio, and I think the sooner we get that title belt off of him, the better. Although, I kind of did like that moment with Kalisto. Anyway, but, yeah, having Rusev be a, you know, be a sympathizer, maybe be like a Bulgarian representative, but he still is, you know, cool with America. Don't have a, have a kind of be like a, a who was it? Uh, Nikolai Volkov, you know, where he was like one of the most notoriously hated villains back in the day, but after, you know, the war was settled, everything was there, 
He was happy. He was more than happy to embrace America. He even teamed up with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan for, I think it was either a WrestleMania match or it was a... Uh, it, was, it, was it wasn't a magic at WrestleMania, but it was just like... It, 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 it was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was one of the matches where, where, it, where it happened, basically. So that's kind of how I would book would have booked Rusev. Again, it's just kind of fantasy booking, but I think I did a better job than WWE did as far as booking-wise go. So I don't know. Fretz, do you have anything to add as far as Rusev goes? What day is today, Nate? Is today Rusev Day? Rusev Day! Yeah. There's a nice... There's a nice picture for the for the Twitter. Um, <laughs> for the Twitter. Yeah, he's, we haven't seen him in a while. I guess he's just having some time off, and his Twitter game is getting kind of fun, but they definitely dropped the ball on him. Uh, I wish that he would have used the tank against Cena at WrestleMania. Th- okay, that's too much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Super Cena's going to... He's not even a tank and take out Super Cena. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, they. I, he could have had a better run for the U.S. title. I thought that I, I like your idea right there to extend it a little bit. And, and if they're going to do the whole thing with Dolph Ziggler, do not involve Summer Rae or Trout or you know. Oh no, Lana's a cold fish. Right. Stop. Yeah. No. Just take out the stupid humor and. Make it a bit of more of a serious deal because some people get invested with you know some comedic moments, but more people get invested in the drama. You have that drama there; it's going to be a great storyline. Absolutely, and and just Rusev Day. I mean that that got so over that I think it got the kibosh. Like this could have had a great <sighs> WrestleMania moment. This could have had a great whatever else moment although it was he had what like a fatal four way last year that gender ball one yeah. <laughs> oh we're going full circle back to Canada again oh boy I love gender but come on like nah <laughs> no, no I totally get where you're coming from just just no no yeah yeah it's he's Underutilized. Maybe I hope he finds. Uh, maybe he makes his way back. Maybe he pulls a uh, a, a Breezango and ends up back in NXT. But you know NXT's a little bit bloated. But then I'm thinking like, oh, Keith Lee versus Rusev. Let's go. <laughs> That'd be totally amazing. Uh, Rusev versus Damian Priest. Rusev versus uh, who is that guy? Dead. Died. Dijakovic. Oh yeah. Uh, he, this guy. This this is non-spoilery, but the, I'll just say this: there's going to be an episode of NXT that's going to have Dijakovic versus Keith Lee. That's going to be good. The spoilers are there. I'm not going to talk about them here. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter if you want to talk uh, NXT tapings and spoilers. But as uh, for for my. Miss Opportunity Person, Mr. Nate. Yep. I have someone that the WWE, I think they massively dropped the ball with, and I'm just on his wiki right now. And it's the man who is the current uh, vice president or whatever of All Elite Wrestling, that being Cody Rhodes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, we all know that Cody made his WWE debut. I, I'm looking through his wiki. I didn't know he was a tag team partner of Sean Spears in OVW. Really? I yeah, didn't know I, this explains their whole friendship and this whole angle that they're going through right now in, in AEW. Uh, they were feuding with a team called the Untouchables, a.k.a. Deuce and Domino, featuring another second-generation uh, wrestler, Stim Snooka. I'm going to talk about some, some drop-the-ball second- and third-generation stars here. Don't you worry. Uh, then they had a tag-team title run. They had a feud over the... OVW television title and this is when he got called up now when you're a son of a former prominent wrestler you just automatically think that okay this guy should get pushed to the moon because he's Dusty Rhodes' kid I agree because well it's Dusty Rhodes but if you take a look at some other bad I'll call them bad seeds that's I'm stealing a reference from um Wrestling with Regret there, because he did a Bad Seeds thing where he talked about guys like David Flair and Ted DiBiase Jr. and Sim Snuka and Manu, uh, all people that are going to be involved with Cody Rhodes here, ironically. Uh, yeah, I mean, he had, a, he had a good run. Like, he had his tag team title thing with Hardcore Holly, and the setup for DiBiase being his partner was perfect. DiBiase's like, oh yeah, my partner's coming, don't worry. But where is he? Cody, bam. Like, and we have the formation of the legacy. Now, he had a good start, although he was pro- prominently, primarily a, uh, a tag team wrestler, a stable wrestler. I'll give him that. He had good moments. He then started a feud with, with Randy Orton, like he was supposed to get a... Uh, a WWE title shot at some point. I think it was after Backlash. But he had an injury. They continued a feud with, with Triple H and uh, Shawn Michaels just having, uh, you know, being humiliated. But I think they also had an awesome submissions count anywhere match against DX. Which happened in Montreal, I believe. Uh, at break, It was, yeah, breaking point, And I believe that was in... Yeah, it was. It was in the Bell Center in Montreal. And what I was just going to see what else was on was on that card, just to be curious. But we had, uh, and no, I'm not going. I'm not going through that. But then we had, you know, tension with the legacy, and I think that started around the time of the 2010 Royal Rumble. And I forgot this, but we had a legacy triple threat match at WrestleMania. Yeah, WrestleMania 26. Yeah, 26. It would have been. Yeah. And, you know, Orton wins, and then we see, I don't know if it was here yet, but there was there was Dashing Cody Rhodes, then there was Undashing Cody Rhodes, both great runs, but there was also, it was there was an unreleased vignette released, I don't know who, who got a hold of it, but it was just after Cody left, and it was something like Cody Rhodes Enterprises, like his, him and Brandy, they're wearing a suit, and they're in this little TV studio. I don't know if you've seen that or not. I have not got a chance to see that. Okay, I think it's just, it's kind of like maybe what Cody's gimmick kind of is now. So this is when he was he was having a great singles run. He had the Intercontinental title a couple times. You know, he beat the Big Show for it. And this is where he stayed. 
I think, for like, the rest of his career. And, that, and that's where I think they dropped the ball. I mean, they could have had... When Damian Sandow won the, the Money in the Bank briefcase, which he should have had a friggin' run with, because imagine S- Sandow and Cody, the former Rhodes Scholars, I know they never won the tag team championships, unfortunately, but that's a world heavyweight title feud, if you ask me. Like nope. that That's where I think they started to really drop the ball with Cody. And then... When he started, when he started tagging with Dustin, it was fine because that was his whole. He's trying to save his. They're trying to save their job when they're wrestling the Shield. And you know that when they got fired and they come through the crowd to bash the Shield again, that was awesome. And I'm like, okay, this is you know the Shield moving up the card, so maybe Cody's going to join them, and then he became Stardust. And. The lesser said about Stardust, the better. It was cool. It it should have only lasted like six months. It should have lasted for their tag team title feud. And he kept that gimmick for like three years. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. And we've heard stories about Cody, you know, basically fighting for the fact that, you know, hey, you know, I want to get rid of you know, the Stardust gimmick. I want to, you know, be Cody Rhodes. I want to do this, have a really good feud with, you know, Dustin. And WWE just kept saying like, no, no, we're... We see a marketable deal in uh, Stardust, so we're going to keep that going. To which, of course, many of us are just, uh. And, you know, yeah. but more, more time went on. It was just more of like, uh. And Cody basically reached a point where he was just like, okay, fine. If you don't want me to be me, then I'll just be me somewhere else, basically. And, you know, he is the best part of himself right now that. You know, he's had some really incredible matches. He had, you know, at All Out, he had that great match, at All In, I should say, he had that great matchup with uh, Magnus, a.k.a. Nick Aldis, for the NWA title. He had a great matchup with Dustin at uh, Double or Nothing. He's had some great matches, you know, here here, there, and we're going to probably see another really good matchup between him and Sean Spears. And I do agree with you with the statement that, you know, had they did a feud with Damian Sandow, uh, you know, further... And had it be for the world title, that would have been amazing. And it would probably would have brought more prestige to the championship to have somebody like Damian Sandow or even eventually Cody Rhodes holding on to that championship. Yeah, that that was just a big drop ball. There. And I love that, that that briefcase looked like a big hunk of chocolate. It, it was very unique, but it was also very beautiful at the same time. It was tasty. Uh, <laughs> it was, and I think that was around like, no, Cody had that wicked mustache around the time he was tagging with Sandow and I liked how they call call themselves like the best tag team to never win the titles they had an amicable split and then you know money in the bank you know every man for himself you know okay yeah Sandow's gonna push him off and win uh the next night on Raw, I thought, okay, this is good. You know, Co- I think Cody like threw the briefcase into the into the lake or something. Like, okay, we're we're in for something here. Uh, Sandoz putting his briefcase on the line against. Did he put his briefcase on the line against Cena, or did he just fail to cash in on Cena? He failed to cash. Like he failed to cash in on the Cena. <sighs> there's someone I can talk. I can talk about being missed missed booking opportunity as well as Sandow was. I liked how he had like I'm holding my mic right now like like it's a glass of wine. I love how he would would do that. It just added like his whole element of class, and I still laugh that technically he used a Christmas Carol as his entrance theme. 
<laughs> like the Hallelujah chorus from Handel's Messiah is technically a Christmas song. So I'm like, I hear that all year round. I'm like, this is funny. And I, I have seen a performance of Handel's Messiah live. Beautiful, by the way. Like, if you ever have the chance, do it. Like, ah, very good. Uh, and Cody, he did, he just floundered. I mean, he had pay per view appearances. He had appearances at both WrestleMania Intercontinental Title matches and had great spots and moments in them. Even bringing out that. Uh, big polka dot ladder one year oh my gosh I do remember that paying homage to his dad and that was awesome yep big old sparkly big old sparkling ladder and then I enjoyed the stuff he did with Stephen Amell like I think it was like uh, Neville and was that was it was it like Neville and Stephen Amell against uh Oh, uh, King Barrett and uh, Stardust, yeah, Stardust. Yeah, that, that was one of. I think that was one of his last matches in the Fed, if I'm not mistaken. No, you're definitely right. And I, I don't know if I've told told this story, but it was so funny because it was the uh, Monday before SummerSlam, and they were in uh, Green Bay. I just remember uh, uh, Barrett's. I think actually, I think it was Stardust. No, Stardust got beat by uh, Neville, and we see you know Wade Barrett. You know, he's carrying Stardust in the back, and I just remember screaming out to Barrett, it's like, Oh, hail King Barrett! And he's like, That's right, I'm the king! <laughs> nice. I'm afraid I got some bad news. Oh, God, I loved that gimmick so much. <laughs> there's another There's another wasted booking opportunity there. So, yeah, Cody, I, I think now, like, Cody, he's doing very well for himself. You know, I wish that he would have had at least a title run. Like, when he had the whole... Legacy triple threat. I thought, okay, this could be a chance for him to move up the card a little bit. Dashing Cody Rhodes. This has opportunity. I mean, he was like giving out and giving people like grooming advice and saying, yeah, "This is how you trim your nose hair. This is how you do this and that. And this is how you look good as me." And Rey Mysterio literally ruined his face. And you have instead of his cheery, you know, wow, there goes Cody Rhodes. We got the dark sided, undashing. Like, it was just a clear mask. It's like the same mask that Virgil wore when he broke his nose in 1992. You weren't hiding that much, Cody. I mean, we can still see everything on your face, bud. But that was still something I thought that was a great little knot in the storyline in his uh, feud against Rey Mysterio at whatever WrestleMania that was, using the, uh, the mask or the knee brace to crack him right in the face. Perfect. And... I love that he beat Ezekiel Jackson for his first Intercontinental title. This Ezekiel Jackson, I mean, come on, really? Him with gold? One of the forgotten Intercontinental champions. That is true. That is very true. Just you know, it's, it's like the, it's like that Cult of Hollow song, you know, what happened to that wrestler? Top 10 forgotten Intercontinental champions. <laughs> and he was one of them. But, but, that, but that, he became Big Rick and uh, okay, that's not a good example. I was about to say, he became Big Rick in Lucha Underground and then got killed off, like, episodes later. Okay, he didn't survive that long. I didn't even know he went to Lucha Underground. Uh, I saw, like, maybe season one and two, and then Netflix pulled the seasons from Canada. Damn it. Yeah, well, well, uh, well technically, technically, he introduced uh, Lucha Underground to Kill Shot in the Mac. So we have that to kind of thank him for, question mark, maybe? I don't know. Willie Mac? <laughs> Willie Mac, yep. Okay, yeah, I know who he is. Uh, Killshot, no, but... That's 
think Cody, I mean, if he, he, he just stayed in the mid card, he, he never, never elevated. I don't know what it was that he could cut a decent promo. He's a fantastic in-ring performer. I don't know if he had heat with Triple H or if he had something preventing him, but he, every time he tried to go up the rung a little bit, he just kept going down. And we were robbed of a Gold Dust versus Dustin feud from at least a couple of WrestleManias. Yeah, no, that 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 ticked me off a bit because that was something that they were trying to build up to for so long, and then it just didn't happen. And then we got it at Double or Nothing, and it was one of the greatest things we could have ever seen. It was one of the yeah, and the whole you know I don't need a tag team partner, I need my big brother, and I'm like I'm a little I'm the little brother, and I'm just like okay, th- and I work for my big brother, I'm like okay, this is killing me. <laughs> Right? It's one of those moments where it's like, okay, this, this is good. This is good stuff. This is why AEW is amazing. That's some good shit, pal. <laughs> but no, I definitely do agree with you with uh, Cody Rhodes. There were so many best booking opportunities with him. Uh, one of his best matches was actually on Raw, where he was battling for his job. Uh, he basically was giving everything that he had against Randy Orton. As well as matches, I look back and I think to myself, wow, this was amazing this can you imagine Cody Rhodes putting on this matchup in like main events and stuff like that that'd be fantastic but no they just decided hey we're gonna have him be just this guy just this copy of Goldust to which you know he's even said he's like well this is basically like Goldust this is basically like Goldust this is basically like Dustin it's like oh did you want to try something different it's like yeah I want to do something different I'm not gonna be that guy that's gonna be like a carbon copy of what my big brother did and you know, he tried to make the best that he could with it, but at the same time, I can understand, you can only play a certain part for so long before it's just like, yeah, no, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, then, then after that, after I saw that whole Cosmic Kingdom thing with oh, Wade Barrett man. and the Ascension. Cosmic Wasteland. Uh, that, uh, that, no, no, that, that, that killed all of them. <laughs> That killed uh, all credibility for everybody. Yeah, and I'll give it that. I'll give it this. That Stardust theme, that was a banger. I kind of liked it. I think it was decent. I thought it was pretty yeah. decent. Okay. Um, gosh, yeah. I mean, such missed opportunities with Cody Rhodes. Could have been WWE Champion. Hell, when they had the World Heavyweight Championship, they could have bet the belt on him instead of, you know, freaking Del Rio because... What, what, why? Well, just why? Makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Ah, uh, gosh. I wish they would have done that and they would have had Cody versus Sandow, maybe on like a Raw or something like that, where that's when he cashes in. God, that would have been better. Even if it was like a transitional, like a short reign, at least he had, at least they both had it. Yeah, exactly. Jeez Louise, it's just so... Ugh, it's frustrating. But... I think with that being said, we can conclude this episode of the Game Changer Podcast. Guys, thank you so much for listening in. And this is one of those episodes that's just been absolutely insane. But one thing that we should probably mention the fact is why we kind of picked, you know, being very heavily uh, pushing the Fiend deal, as well as talking quite a bit about Cody Rhodes, because it does create another full circle moment. And what is that, Mr. Fretz? NXT Season... Three. Who 
was Husky Harris's coach. Was that the one and only Cody Rhodes? Boom. Full circle. Take a shot. Yeah, buddy. Honestly, you know, there were some points of those NXT shows that I liked, and then there were some points where it was just like, okay, this is stupid. <laughs> yeah, the, I did not like the whole game show aspect of it, but there, there is a, like a quote-unquote lost season of NXT, of NXT that would have involved uh, Seth Rollins, Big E, Jinder Mahal, uh, maybe Leo Kruger or Richie Steamboat or something like that. It, it was like, it was right before, it was before the FCW merger. Okay. Yeah, so they're like, this is going to be the next season. Here are your next uh, contestants. And it was all them. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that would have been interesting to see. To hear Seth Rollins basically say, this is crap. <laughs> Uh, I, I wonder who all their coaches would have been, uh, but so, yeah, so many possibilities. And if we're if we're talking about Cody Rhodes, there's just a couple other things. Like I think like just because you're the son or daughter of a prominent pro wrestler, it doesn't. I I don't, I don't think many should automatically assume that okay, you're going to have a career. Uh, Shaw Guerrero, uh, short-lived career. I thought she could have had like a Charlotte Flair kind of run if she stuck with it, right? Yeah. No, I agree with that. Uh, Tessa Blanchard, another really good example. She was, she's the daughter of legendary four horseman Tully Blanchard, and she's created a legacy of her own by just being the baddest woman on the planet. I know there's a lot of people that will say, like, you said that about Ronda, you said that about Ivelisse. Okay, first of all, doesn't count with Ronda Rousey, and for Ivelisse, it's baddest bitch on the planet. So... For Tessa Blanchard to be the baddest woman on the planet, that is a high compliment. Yes, and I'm like, Jacob Fatu right now is tearing it up in MLW. Uh, I I wish, you know what, I wish that Reed Flair was still with us, because I think he could have had, he could have been something special. I agree. Uh, Curtis Axel, a.k.a. Michael McGillicuddy, is another one of those guys that we had such hope for, such prominence for. But unfortunately, I think it was just one promo where he just kind of messed it up just a little bit, and it was just like, oh, man. You go swimming? What's that, a wet suit of all? It means a flute. <laughs> oh, I was... I, I was but <laughs> I was actually talking about the one where he was in NXT where he was like, you'll remember this moment as the moment, where he kept just saying the word moment. Oh, it's like, you know, uh, McGillicuddy, yeah, McGillicuddy, real threatening. Yes, and then Paul Heyman changed his name, and it was the greatest thing ever. And there's one seed, I think, right now, who is nailing it. And this man is the son of Erwin R. Scheister, Mike Rotundo, IRS. And that is The Fiend Lediman. Yes, indeed he is. Oh, gosh. We could go through like this long list of the guys that we've wanted to have potential, have, you know, just great hopes for. But unfortunately, WWE just managed to screw it up. And you know what? Maybe they're bound for AEW at this point. We've seen that with you know Cody and Dustin. They're doing fantastic. We're seeing that with so many other people. They're really creating great stars. So uh, we'll talk more about these kind of deals in future episodes, you guys. So until then, thank you so much for listening into this podcast. Be sure to check out the Russell Attic Radio Network. Uh, be sure to check out everybody, all the fan, friends that are on there. You know, Kings of the Rings, Gifted Podcast, Nacho Mama Soap Opera Podcast, which I want to plug so badly because Jeff Pomaccio is amazing, and I love his podcast. absolutely amazing. Definitely one of my favorites. As well as the Fourth Wall WrestleCast and us here at the Game Changer Podcast. 
Thank you guys so much for your support. Be sure to give us also some support on Patreon. We just launched it this past uh, this past Sunday, and it's something that we guys would love to get your support and just get a lot of your you know feedback on what things would you like to see on our Patreon. Let us know. Let us know in the Patreon chat. Let us know in the comments. Let us know how we can make it better and make it something that you guys will enjoy. And here's the thing about it. You only got to pay five bucks to do it. You don't have to pay tiers. You don't have to do that crazy stuff. It's only five bucks. That's like a foot-long sub, but you know what? Who goes to Subway anymore? So, with that being said, he's been Mr. Fretz. I've been Nate the Effing Great. We are the game changers of professional wrestling. And just remember one thing, ladies and gentlemen. When it comes down to it, and when it comes to our podcast, just have to remember one thing. Let us in.
Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.125%. APR, 4.22%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. 8.88% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. Straight Talk Wireless runs on the exact same cell towers as the big guys, but charges up to half the cost. So if you can get America's best networks but pay less, why wouldn't you? Straight Talk Wireless, only at Walmart. Savings may vary. See straighttalk.com.